the incomparable. Number 100. July 2012. It's the Incomparable Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Snell. This is a very special edition of the Incomparable, and in that it is episode number 100. It's a. I, I feel like this is a huge milestone, other than the fact that you know uh, we just do a podcast every week, and in less than two years, you are at episode 100. But we use a base 10 counting system, and 100 is a milestone. So I've ca- I've gathered together to celebrate episode number 100. Uh, the five panelists on The Incomparable, who have been on the most episodes of this show. They are the core members of The Incomparable panel, and I'm going to introduce them in order of their uh, their appearances, their number of appearances on the show. Um, by the way, I should say, I'm Jason Snell, who has appeared on 90 of the 100 episodes of The Incomparable. So one in 10, you don't have to listen to me. Um but if two-thirds, 68 episodes of The Incomparable have featured the man who's on every podcast, Dan Morin. Hi, Dan. Uh, I, I was told there would be no math. Well, I'm do- I did the math for you. Oh, oh well, that's, that's swell, Jason. I appreciate it. It's good to be here, as I am contractually obligated to be on every podcast. Yes, or at least two-thirds of The Incomparable podcast episodes. Uh, that's a writer that we attached later. My agent had some concerns, blah, 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 blah. Also joining me is uh, Serenity Caldwell, who has appeared on exactly half of the episodes of The Incomparable, 50 of the Woo-hoo. 100. Woo. Welcome. 50 whole episodes. Uh, I would say this feels like a milestone, Jason, except it, it feels like a podcast, which is pretty much like every other podcast, <laughs> pretty except much. it's a little hotter today. Yeah, that's that's about right. Uh, also joining me, Scott McNulty, who has appeared on 49 of 100 podcast episodes. Hi, Scott. So close to fifty. I'm I'm an underachiever. Well, the next one you'll get you'll get there with the next one. We'll do something that is a uh, topic that Ren isn't interested in, and then you'll be you'll be on top. John Syracuse is here. He has appeared on forty three incomparable podcasts. Hi, John. I blew it. I blew my long game. Why is it forty three? I was going for forty two. What happened? I don't know. Well, this one counts as number forty three. Oh, you, you you messed it up. This one counts as four. I was forty two exactly. Do we do we start with episode zero? Does anyone remember? No, that would put me at forty four. He's counting this episode. He he ruined my master. He ruined my master plan. Episode zero is missing. That voice you heard is uh, the man who's been on thirty eight episodes of The Incomparable, Glenn Fleischman. You know, if you count, I'm number six. I'm number six. If you count the number of episodes on which I'm ridiculed, it gets closer to eighty. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Uh huh. That's very true. Um, I should also point out in the since we're talking incomparable trivia here that although I've hosted ninety episodes, I've actually appeared on ninety three. Because <laughs> sometimes I appear even though I'm not the host. Uh, but I would like to thank Glenn and Dan, both of whom have hosted four episodes of the incomparable. Wow, I hosted four episodes. Yeah. I- I have no memory of that. Lost, and then lost retired. Lost in the midst of time. Lots of game, I the recall, game I recall episodes. I hosting episode 42 and a music episode and a Futurama episode. That's three. You're doing pretty yeah. well. Mm, and then there's the last episode. I did some games. I did some game episodes. I remember that. Um, and I think I pinch hitted for you once in, when you were out. Yeah, that yes, might I be do out. remember. Oh, there was, was the, the, the Ready Player the, One yes, podcast. Yes, yes, the Ready Player <laughs> One. Uh, yeah. I recall. I did host that. A disastrous Jason, Ready Jason, I got an important question for you. Are you counting... Uh, additional projects such as our wonderful riff track episode Ooh. phantom empire no. no that had no host really 
But it did feature four members it of the did, incomparable it panel. It did feature members of the panel. That that doesn't count either, Dan. Uh, Greg Noss also hosted an episode, and Lex Friedman, of course, hosted our recent Jonathan Colton episode. As well as an alternate universe version of the incomparable. That's right. The fake episode. The alt-universe version. So the purpose here, the topic here, and we, we and we do sort of have one rather than just counting up episodes of The Incomparable through our first hundred episodes, is to talk about why we do The Incomparable. Why is this here? And, I, and I'll, I'll admit that this idea came to me, as all my good ideas do, in the shower, because that happens. Um, and uh, we we ran a, a podcast a few weeks ago that was um, that that uh, involved some criticism of um, uh, a blockbuster movie. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna name any names, but one of the panelists didn't like this beloved blockbuster movie, and and uh, people were, were really upset. And I thought that was really interesting. And I juxtaposed that with a review that was posted on iTunes um, around the same time uh, from a listener who. <laughs> Apparently, listen to one episode. But, I think I think listener goes in quotes, Jason. Yeah, a, a listener. listener. That was uh, the quotes were implied there. Who uh, complained that all we ever do is praise things and recap uh, what happened, and not actually do anything more insightful than that? Well, I thought that review was really good, and here's what it said. <laughs> I thought we would just talk about why we do the podcast and why we like the stuff we do and what's the purpose of a, of a show like this. And, and uh, you know, when our dear colleague said he didn't like the uh, that superhero movie, and quite honestly, if we had been doing the podcast a few years ago, I would have said that I didn't like The Dark Knight um, and people would have freaked out about that too. Uh, but we also do episodes where, like the Star Wars episodes, where although we we pick at things, we're also uh, really just talking about something that we that we love. So, uh, and then you know it goes back and forth. Then then you take something like the Ready, Ready Player One podcast, where we really just kind of uh, rip the book apart. I wasn't on that one, by the way. I kind of like that book, but I wasn't on it. Uh, so my question for all of you guys is, you know, why? Other than your devotion to me, I suppose, why, you know, why do you like being on the podcast? And, you know, what is your approach when when uh, when you come on? I mean, are you trying to be critical? Are you trying to just talk about stuff that you like? What's the what's the point of it all? Why are we here? John Syracusa, you are famous for being hypercritical. It's our sad devotion to this ancient Macworld editor. <laughs> That's right. It's all coming no, I, out now. Yeah, I, I, Thank I, was, you. I t- made the joke when you mentioned the topic of the show that I was going to uh, sue you for stealing the idea for of my podcast and everything related to it. Because yeah, I, back in 2009, I wrote a, a blog post on ours back when I actually blogged on ours. Uh, the title of which was Hypercritical, which some people might recognize as the future title of my current podcast. Yes. You appeared on the Incomparable podcast and were so great that Dan Benjamin said, hey, he should have his own podcast. Yeah, and it, and it was like, this was the genesis <laughs> of it. Is that I wrote a thing about, because I write a lot of articles and in my articles I complain about stuff. And that like that's kind of my, my shtick, right? Uh, and when I first started doing it, people would decide who I was based on the fact that I was complaining about things. So here's this guy they'd never seen before and he's writing about Apple stuff and it's full of complaints. So this must be somebody who hates Apple. Uh, it didn't take long to 
dispel that notion, but it was kind of funny to me going from being the Mac fanboy on the internet to all of a sudden everyone saying, you PC user, you probably never used a Mac in your life. If you don't like them, why are you even writing about them, right? And so that that thing like where if you criticize something, that means like you're taking sides against it or something was strange to me and funny. And so this, this uh, much later article I wrote uh, about the idea of criticizing something was trying to explain why I personally do it and the value that I think there is in criticizing something. Uh, it's kind of like, I think it's that Alan K quote, you know, is that Macintosh was the first computer worth criticizing to me. The things I'm most interested in criticizing are the things that could have been great, but weren't or are really, really good, but just have one thing that's a little bit off. You know what I mean? So I'm not inclined to do like an entire podcast about something that I see no redeeming value in. So for example, we, we ripped apart ready player one, right? But that's a science fiction book about people who go around in a video game world. I like that kind of thing, right? I'm, I'm not doing right. a book about. I re- I read this, you know. Uh, we did, we didn't read know. Fifty Shades of Grey, and right, and like I mean, it's not, and we never plan to. <laughs> wait, wait, we we didn't read that. Well, I mean, we didn't read that. <laughs> oh, yeah, and and so like it's even though we're you know oh you guys just like to rip stuff apart we're ripping apart things that we read we are interested in because it's like it's right up our alley i totally into books about people running around in a virtual video game world with 80s like you know and and that's that that's one thing that people don't get because if you come into it thinking that uh if you say something bad about uh about you know any piece of media or whatever you're taking sides against it Uh, and that's totally not how i view it yeah, I, I I I agree with that. I mean, I think that um, it's interesting to hear people's complaints about something that I liked, and I, I know not, lots of people don't react that way. And we we saw that uh, after the Avengers podcast is that people uh, a lot of people enjoyed it, and then when they heard the criticism of it, they they got really mad, and that's fine to disagree. But I I'm always fascinated when I hear somebody's complaints about something, whether I liked it or not, if they go into some detail in it. And it makes me and makes me think about it, and that goes to what you said, John, about uh, you know being the first whatever worth criticizing is there is value in having something that's worth looking at critically at all, and if it leads me to a place where I appreciate the work more or I understand it more, or I think I mentioned this to um, to it, when we did the Jonathan Colton podcast, and I briefly got to got to talk to him. I mean, I love the fact that. Um, when I saw Inception, I thought about it for five days and I thought about lots of different aspects of it and I decided I kind of didn't like it. But the fact was, I really am glad that I saw it because it had, uh, you know, it was thought provoking and it was worth me, it, you know, worth the time for me to think, why don't I like this? And what, what's the detail? And my wife and I talked about it and, and anything, whether you like it or dislike it, I, I really think that having that ability to kind of take it apart and talk about why did it work or why did it not work is, is valuable. Um, you know, I, 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 I don't have a problem with that. And I know that some people that, that bothers some people, but I always, I love it. My favorite, um, praise that I get for the incomparable is when people say, I've seen that movie, you know, a, a half dozen times and had never thought about that scene that way until you guys talked about it that way. And I love that because it shows that this stuff that we love, um, even if it's a sci-fi movie or a, you know, a sci-fi book or whatever, um, it, it, it can be enhanced by that kind of scrutiny, whether you're loving it or whether you're pointing out that the ladder on the X-Wing doesn't have any place to go. It's still interesting. Well, no, nobody likes to hear something that they really like just get trashed. 
I mean, I think that we all, you know, if there's something you're really passionate about or something you really care about uh, or a book that you really like or a movie that you love, it's no fun to hear somebody else just like trash it, right? I mean, there, there's a way, I think, it, which is what John is saying, there is a way to look at these things critically and say, this is good, but here are some, you know, criticisms or, or you know, things that I've noticed that perhaps you haven't thought about. Uh, and I think there is a value in that. I also, you know, think there's a value in talking positively uh, about these kind of works. Because even in cases where you feel like you want to be critical because there are things that bothered you about it, it's worthwhile to say what you liked about things, not only because I think we all are in part here because we enjoy sharing things that we like with other people who we think might like them, um, but also because, I don't know, for me, uh, someone who has spent time, you know, trying to create something, uh, it's nice to feel like there are people behind it's nice to be remembered that there are people behind these things right and these people in many cases are trying very hard to accomplish something they're not always you know nailing it perfectly but you know these are these are creations born of man and so it's nice to see you know that recognized and say well i like what this person did here you know that showed some thought i fought hard to be on the second episode of this podcast primarily because i really wanted to talk over a series I had just seen, Sherlock, with people. Because at that point, I was living in a relatively small town in western Massachusetts and had absolutely no geeky friends in proximity. So I had just, like, I had just watched Sherlock. I had just started reading some of the books that were being discussed in the book club in episode one. And when I found out that Jason was doing this, it was very much a, oh gosh, finally, People I can talk about interesting <laughs> books and movies and television with. I must be on this podcast. And then I think I pestered you until you let me on. But uh, I really enjoy coming together and talking about subjects that we're interested in, be it television, be it books. I love the format of the podcast in that we, it's not necessarily, you know, we show up every week and then we decide what we want to talk about. But having the idea of, oh, we have the book club and we have, you know, TV stuff and we have comics and like, oh, I read comics. I don't read them heavily enough that I want to discuss them with other people. So it's like, it's nice that I can, oh, I can sit back and listen to, uh, <laughs> things in the incomparable that, you know, I'm, I'm not necessarily qualified to talk about. But when it comes to, when it comes to like television, when it comes to books, uh, it's not only a good way to talk about things that I've just, you know, that we've just seen or we've just read or listened to, uh, but it's also, at least for me, when we're discussing, you know, topics ahead of time of, oh, you know, what books should we read? What, uh, what TV shows have been caught in people's memory? Like, there have been a lot of books that I've read in this last year that I would have otherwise just either seen and been like, oh, that sounds cool, but just not gotten around to it. Or just missed entirely that thanks to the incomparable, it's like, oh, Ready Player One. Yeah, I'll sit down and read that in an afternoon so we can talk about it on a podcast because I think it would be fun. Or Name of the Wind. You know, there, there are a lot of, a lot of great podcasts, some great television, some really terrible books, <laughs> um, that I've read all thanks to the <laughs> to the show. <laughs> well, you're welcome for the terrible books. <laughs> oh, the te well, the terrible books had their own, you know, enjoyment because again, talking about 
even, you know, I, it's no secret that I didn't particularly enjoy the magicians, but having a group of people to talk about with the reasons why I disliked the magicians made me, made like some of the reading of that book okay. It's like, oh, well, I had to read this book and I didn't really like it, but at least I got to hear other people's opinions on the book and I got to, you know, debate it with some people and that was really fun. So, yeah, The Incomparable. It is a good way to <laughs> learn about media. Well, I, I read... um I mean, I've read, I read more books now that I have a Kindle and then, uh, then the incomparable on top of that has made me, um, uh, read a lot more and that's a good thing. And, and you're right. Not, not all the books have been good. Um, but they, I, I appreciate it. And a lot of them have been very good. And that was the idea with the first episode we recorded, which, um, we didn't even have a title for it. We recorded two episodes as trials before we even posted any. And one of them was the, the book club episode, the very first book club. And we called it that specifically to, um, in order to try and have that, that feeling of uh, a bunch of people, uh, coming together, having read a book and, and just talking it over and, and, uh, and maybe getting some interesting perspectives that they didn't have when they read the book and trying to apply that then to anything, whether it's a comic or a movie or a TV show. Um, and I, I think that has worked pretty well because a hundred episodes later, we're still doing it and we're still, you know, finding interesting. Boy, there's no shortage. We just did a podcast in number 99 that had like what like 40 books that we mentioned in it it's great there's never a shortage there's so much stuff out there but, uh one particular kind of episode that we do are these kind of uh these praise sessions more or less about things that we really love especially movies that we really love and they aren't as critical they they there is some insight in them but they're not you know we're not necessarily criticizing um the princess bride or uh, the Star Wars movies or Raiders of the Lost Ark when we when we talk about them. And yet I, I don't feel that it devolves into, hey, do you remember that scene that was really great? I, I feel like uh, when I, I uh, hear what other people have to say about those movies, I'm gaining some insight that I didn't have before about that movie that I love and I may have seen 20 times, but that, that I know that through somebody else's eyes, there's going to be something else there that I hadn't really thought of, whether it was, you know, John Gruber talking about certain scenes in Raiders of the Lost Ark or, or John Syracuse talking about the, the Han and Leia relationship, which is one of my favorite moments in any incomparable that we've done where you, you parse through it and basically say, you know, their relationship has changed by the time they get to Cloud City <laughs> and they probably had sex and that just blew me away. I had never, ever ever thought of it that way and how many times have i seen the empire strikes back so you know those aren't critical episodes necessarily in the sense but of us thinking about them negatively they're not negative right but they're they're i think you know like you were starting out by saying these are things that bear enough substance that they are worth it, there is something there there's something there there's more than just as on than what's just on the surface and you can actually dig into that and that's not true with every movie right there's a lot of or, or book or tv show etc there's all these you know, there's there's so much crap floating around. Um, I think, you know, isn't that Sturgeon's Law? 90% of everything is crap. Um, More or less. So that 10% of stuff that's actually good, you know, is worth delving into to figure out. I, I think for us, you know, most of us being geeks, we have a, you know, an interest in figuring out what makes things tick. Why does it work? Why is this successful? Even if it's not successful in every way, why is it successful in the ways that it is? And what can we learn from that? And that's interesting to talk about because, you know, people want to know what makes things tick or work or why did this movie succeed where this other movie that seems very much like it on the surface fail? 
Scott, you uh, you read a lot of books. Yes. Many, many books. <laughs> yes. Yes. All right. Wait for is it. Is there a question coming? Do, do, do you remember any of them, Scott? Any uh, books? Do you remember uh, any books? I remember the one I'm reading right now. Well, no. So when we talk about books, uh, you know, you you go through a lot, and I imagine that uh, because I me- read some of the books that you recommend, but I imagine you read uh, a lot of books that are that that are not very good too, that are kind of crappy books. And and you know, I think what in, is interesting about what we've tried to do here is we don't generally pick on the crappy books, right? We 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 tend to focus more on the ones that we think are worth somebody else's time rather than knowingly inflicting. Like the magicians, I didn't knowingly inflict that on Serenity. I I hadn't read it when I said we should read it. I just thought that between that and the Night Circus, we had a little bit of uh, sort of uh, synergy there about magical kind of books that people are talking about. And it turned out that she hated it. I know I, for one, am really, really glad that Scott McNulty reads so many books because I basically use him as a giant Brita filter for books (laughs) where anytime he says he recommends a book, it goes on my list to read. He's filled with activated charcoal. Exactly. Activated charcoal to weed out all of the the terrible books. Books really cool in the fridge there. It's nice. No, getting a, hey, you know what? He's Scott, a multitasker. Scott reads a lot of books. many wonderful so things. If he can remember its title, let alone what it's about, <laughs> that is a good sign, I think. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's true. Yeah. And that's, you know, I, I enjoy participating in The Incomparable, although I am not as vocal as many of the other panelists. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like to consider my thoughts, unlike you people. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, because A, I get to inflict books upon other people, and then it's interesting, all the books that I recommend, like Jason said, to, for us to discuss on the podcast, are books that I've enjoyed, and I think merit discussion. And so it's interesting to me when I have really liked a book, and then, you know, the rest of the panelists read it, and someone has not enjoyed it as much as I. And it's interesting to see their perspective, and how they explain how they can come to the wrong opinion. So that's always interesting. Uh, and then... Uh- the other side of the coin is getting uh, a chance, like Ren said, to read books that I normally wouldn't read, uh, like uh, Ready Player One. I probably wouldn't have picked up because it just is not something that I would be interested in. And then I read it, and it wasn't very good, so that kind of made me feel better <laughs> about my own tastes. But uh, So those are the big things. I mean, they're both selfish, obviously, because I'm a selfish man, but uh, that, is, that is why I enjoy participating in the incomparable. Thank you, Scott. You're welcome. Who else would like to say complimentary things I, about participating? <laughs> I, I have a thing to say. I, I have a thing to say. Yes, Glenn, please. My thing the floor that is I would say is, and it is my thing, is that I know that I started reading science fiction and, and fantasy to a lesser extent. And I sort of like, like that whole genre as a kid. Uh, there were times in my life when I was less popular unpopular and there are times in my life when i was quite popular surprisingly enough i know for this program surprising hmm. that any of us might have been popular i find that hard to believe what time what time are we in now are you saying that you know people there was a point in my life when i was senior class president is all i'm saying but that was that point in my life i don't know who was your vice president was it like nixon or something he had to resign mid-semester. It was terrible. It's controversy. But Metaphor more apt than you could have thought, Dan. So, Glenn, you were sometimes popular. Ken Kinsey spoke at our graduation. This That's podcast all is over That's for you. That's what I have to, I have to do it. I have to do it. So, anyway, shook his hand. Nice man. Episode. Wore, a, wore a white suit. Anyway, the reason I list, I, you know, there were toys in my life in which you know, use um, 
escapist fiction, whether it's, you know, more realistic or fantastical. You use it to escape your life. And there's times that you're, you read it because it enhances your life. And I, I have to say, as I've become a, you know, as I've, as I've grown up ostensibly, grown up and gotten older, um, so has the medium for us when we were all younger or even before we were long before we were born, there are times when science fiction, especially in fantasy, maybe even more so, were sort of pulp and all the media in which they occurred, they weren't that sophisticated. You could find examples of it. I mean, there were great series of old comic books or a certain series of, of um, certain writers that you know, develop deeper themes in their work, but you would have, um, this gets into the genre ghetto issue, you know, that's still being fought, but there is a point at which you could say that a lot of what was being produced maybe in the forties, fifties, sixties, uh, couldn't easily be compared to what was being produced in fiction at the time or even nonfiction. Let's say it wasn't as interesting as wasn't as deep, didn't explore the recesses of the human mind. I don't think you can say that about the last 30 years of output. And so when I watch something like a doctor who episode, even, even when it's, unless it's one of the very fluffy silly ones. There are issues that are being presented there that you have to have the filter of an alternative universe so that you can set the parameters, so you can explore intellectually a concept that there is no way to do with the framework of realistic fiction. And I think that to me is the fundamental reason that I'm interested in, in all of this sort of uh, the genre of things that are impossible that you can read about, draw, write about, participate in is that it lets you explore intellectual ideas that are simply not possible in, um, in other realms of expression. And it's one reason why I think things like uh, abstract art, when the art world was overturned in the 1800s, and you start to have non-realistic depictions of art, and then the 1900s, it's completely broken apart with the Dadaists and wars, you know, producing new kinds of art because of people's response to that. You have the same thing that that art made people angry because it forced them to confront the pabulum of life, confront the kitsch they were being fed, and have to think about things that were difficult and hard. Um, one of the greatest descriptions I ever read, and I think this is, it's not specifically true to say the science fiction or fantasy, but I think it's just like that is, um, Stephen Reich, the, uh, minimalist composer, uh, when he premiered one of his compositions for organ was something he's, you know, he's this, um, he, his work, it's repetitive. It's this, he says it's rooted in Gregorian chants and he does very slight changes and the pieces are sort of maddening and beautiful in their way. It was premiered, I think it was the 1970s to a season ticket holders <laughs> and people were so angry. They went up and they were pounding on the stage and people left and you're like, he made them think in a different way. So. I love this genre and I've grown to really enjoy being able to talk about it with you all and to have the feedback we get through Twitter and email and, and hearing that people are reading the same thing because I think it's a, a great way to explore ideas that make our brains bigger. You always, you always talk about how, uh, uh, Anathem hacked your brain by, uh, introducing you to concepts that you, uh, had to actually had to internalize before you could understand what you were what you were reading, and I, I would argue that you know any good novel uh, or actually any story you could argue hacks your brain a little bit. That stories are machines intended to you know create a a specific response, elicit a response in you, and 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 uh, but Anathem actually has a whole vocabulary that goes with it. Am uh, I right too. about that with other people? Is I you know there's times when I read a book and I think God this is so meaningful, and you talk to other people and they find not as much or didn't have the same effect. I remember going through Anathem and I was I was either blogging or tweeting at the time that like it was like I made base camp at page 350. I'm going to try the ascent to page 400 tomorrow, and if by you know if I don't free 
trees at 500, you know, you know where to find my body. And <laughs> the first time through, there was, he was presenting so much conceptual framework. The whole universe was off. He was inventing language. Do you, other panelists, get that sense when you're reading certain kinds of books that are that hard but worthwhile that your brain is being rewritten? I actually felt like I had to learn and shift my perspective just to get through the book. And then I read it another time. I'm like, oh, I already have all this in my head. All these memes have been constructed. I'd have to do all this heavy work in the meme minds. Well, I mean, you know, I think Stevenson does it in a way that's very, um, very deliberate in a way that it's, it's more transparent in other books that don't have that sort of steep a learning curve. Um, I think he draws a lot of attention to it because he spends time replacing things that you can actively identify with things that are entirely novel concepts, right? Like, so you might read a science fiction book and they might have its own terminology or a fantasy book that has its own rules and terminology. And you sort of have to piece it together as you go along. Okay. There's a, you know, supernatural creatures. Got it. There's magic. It works like this. All right. I understand all that. Um, whereas he was taking stuff that exists in our world, you know, telephones, digital cameras, stuff like that, and just put a slapping a new name on it. Um, and I think that, was effective it, it, for me anyways it worked it was interesting as a piece of art i agree that it was something that it felt kind of like a slog until you hit the crest at a point where you have internalized all that vocabulary um but yeah i don't know i mean those are again this, this sort of goes back to the idea i was talking about before which is that you know this this is stuff that has clearly taken a lot of work and a lot of deliberate thought to construct uh and that that makes it interesting to discuss I, I don't know. For me, I because I, I read I read non sci fi and stuff and see non sci fi movies and TV shows. And I, I I'm what? not a specific one genre kind of person. And I, I there are some books. Uh, it's actually very strange when one of the authors that I like uh, who doesn't write genre stuff suddenly does. Like when uh, when uh, Nick Hornby wrote uh, uh, Slam, Slam, which yeah. has a sci fi element in it. That was crazy. Um, but but yet there's something about the, that moment where y- you realize you anything is possible that you you don't have that the that the story you're hearing doesn't have to abide by the rules of the universe and that goes back to stories we hear as you know fairy tales and things like that when we, we hear as kids that are are fantastic in nature and anything is possible and I just I always have loved that that sense that that you're really um, allowing the imagination of the writer to come to the fore and that anything is possible. Like the, uh, I love those moments in the, in the, the, uh, George R. R. Martin books where or early on in the in uh, Game of Thrones where you forget for a while that there's magic in this world you think you've sort of are just following the rules and then there's suddenly there's magic and it's shocking and really cool that there, there's something different or that you can tell a story about uh, modern issues in in human you know in culture or st- broad stories about human nature and set them on a spaceship or something and you know you don't realize what you're seeing until uh, until you finally do. And you're like, Oh, I see what's going on here. I just, I always have loved that shift in perception that, that, uh, sci-fi and fantasy bring that you don't necessarily see in a, uh, you know, gritty mainstream reality based story about a man who's got a bad job. And, you know, it's the escapism of it, I guess, does appeal to me, whether I'm, you know, whether I'm escaping my life or, or just enjoying the, that, the, that uh, said, black you rules. know, I think there is a there's an enter, there's an entertainment value which shouldn't be overlooked in the in the sense of just something that's a good story, right? You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be because it's you know escapist or because it requires the sort of deep critical thinking. There are stories that just get you at a you know at a visceral level and are effective in that they um, 
you know, they, they wrap you up, they're page turners, right? And, you know, sometimes those, you can, there's plenty of those that get written that maybe aren't very good. Um, but it's worth putting, you know, it's worth pulling out the ones that are and trying to figure out why they succeed well these other ones you know someone in the chat room mentioned dan brown before who is one of my most loathed writers Um, (laughs) once we do that is we all agree once we do the dan brown episode of the incomparable it's over shark shark has been jumped yeah pretty much i can tell you why i hate dan brown (laughs) this is diverging off topic um although he did write the worst sentence ever constructed in the english language but that said um, no i think it's actually there is a worst. I'm not Dan Brown particularly, but there is that thing is we get, you know, there's, it's the ghettoization again. You get, you get irritated when you read stuff in the genre that is bad or and dumb. that is well praised, like feed, because you think, oh, this is what everybody thinks. This is what everybody reads. This is what Costco has in the table. So when you say, yeah, I'm part of this podcast and we talk about geeky things and sci-fi and fantasy books and comic books and all this stuff. And people are like, oh, you know, I picked up blah and it was so blah. I could never read a blah again. You're like, yeah, I mean, that's, that's what makes you angry about it. it's not it's not just aggressively bad which makes you angry but it's also it spoils the the pot for other for talking to other people and having them get interested as well but the thing that interests me about feed is that there are people who like it which i know sounds a little facetious but it's just you know oh, yeah. uh, having read it and it is an awful awful book empirically a bad book <laughs> but there are lots of people who enjoy it and that is the the beauty of you know i guess being a human right everyone has different perceptions everyone has different critical uh requirements for what they're reading and that makes it interesting to talk about this stuff and get other people's viewpoints and I was also going to say that I think part of the joy of reading uh, good science fiction and good fantasy is not the fact that anything that can happen, but things can happen that are consistent with the rules of the story. And you don't know necessarily what those rules are when you're reading the story or when you're, you start the story, but a good constructed uh, sci-fi or fantasy story will let the reader discover these rules as things are happening. And I think that that is part of the reward of reading a finely crafted science fiction or fantasy story or novel is that you get, you feel like you've accomplished something because you figure out why things happen and it's internally consistent. Whereas if anything could happen, it's not very rewarding because why does, you know, the, the rabbit turned into a dragon it doesn't matter because anything can happen so who cares well that's what irritated me about the magicians is that i came to it figuring that it would actually be pretty good because it was um so well reviewed people talked about it a lot and i was really more disappointed than i might have been otherwise because it was so full of that same thing like whenever needed a rule it got pulled out you know it's uh oh well this happens well great now we have this and here's this strange multi-dimensional being you know it's blah blah, blah. it just it just felt very desultory and um like the author couldn't even be bothered to keep track of characters and what they were doing and i just i don't know i'm kind of offended when i read something where i'm like why do people like this are they reading so it's not that you shouldn't read for fun but if you're reading so non-critically that you can't recognize flaws that in other genres would make a book unreadable then what's going on i mean you could say that about isaac asimov's writing at times that he you know is so no. much about plot and not about hey about dialogue that like some of his stuff oh come on now his some of his work is somewhat unreadable except his plots are so good and that changes or different ones i won't criticize everything he wrote obviously and i've read a large portion but um but no it is that notion that you know the the space opera is so big we just give up on the actual necessity of writing well i do love an author who knows where he's going in terms of 
you know, the world building of science fiction is so fantastic uh, in that almost every book you pick up, unless it's a series and you're going through subsequent novels, you know, it's an entirely new world. You may have some familiar characteristics here and there, but you have, you know, you have this creation of the authors, but I love it when you can tell right off the bat that the author knows exactly where he's going especially in series is when you track back to the first book or reread things and find details that don't show up maybe until the fourth or fifth book that have been carefully hidden and planted. There was something, um, amusingly, there was something in Harry Potter where I was reading a couple, a couple days ago from a blog where they were comparing something from the fourth or fifth book uh, where Harry is having a conversation with his aunt and uncle and his aunt brings up the wizard prison Azkaban and uh, Harry assumes that she says that she's heard it from that boy and Harry assumes that she's talking about her father or his father um, and then only I think in the last book in the seventh book you find out that in fact uh, she was talking about overhearing it from one other character, Severus Snape, uh, and you find that out through a flashback, but you don't necessarily connect the two unless you reread the book. And it's like, oh, you actually had a specific plan for saying that boy over, you know, a specific name or something like, like it's, it's a little detail in a wildly popular, you know, fi- fantasy series, but it's that kind of idea of being able to keep the balls in the air and being able to paint a wild multifaceted picture of you know the the genre that you're working in. I think we all like to be rewarded as readers or consumers of uh of media and it's it's nice to feel like you know the author or the creator is putting as much attention into it as we are paying to it. Um and so you don't have that section. I mean I I think to to Scott's earlier point, I think rules can be narrow or broad depending on the the world. I thought, you know, as when he started talking about that, I thought about Doctor Who and about how the the rules there are are so tremendously broad sometimes that a lot of stuff does get by just because you know, it's it's equivalently magic. I mean, um but that's how that show operates. That's the parameters of that show. Um but we do all like to be rewarded in the sense of thinking about uh, you know, we, we give this much attention to something like Star Wars and it's, it's nice to see like, you know, there are references that foreshadow things or that's constructed in such a way as to be internally consistent. Uh, and it bothers us when then things are not consistent, right? So that, you know, there are things that are mentioned in the, the, the only three Star Wars movies that exist that <laughs> are then in some ways contradicted by three other movies that were never made. And that's annoying because you feel like, wow, oh, but you already set up these, uh, these possibilities and you set up this thread and then you not only didn't carry through on it, you just sort of took a sharp left turn with it. Uh, and I think that there's, there's a lot of reason for why we like things like I, you know, to pull out a couple of my favorite examples, examples, uh, Neil Gaiman's Sandman is a great example of a large work that has numerous references that work both forward and backwards in terms of referencing things that, that haven't happened yet or referencing things that you've read in, in much prior, uh, much previous volumes and, um, Lois McMaster Bujol's Verkosigan saga, which we did an episode on where there are, uh, you know, tips of the hat to things that happened, you know, 
10 books earlier, <laughs> or there are references to things that will be important in 10 books. Um, and so it's nice to feel like there is this world that's constructed that exists even when we're not actively paying attention to it that we can visit when we like. And I think that's probably some of the attraction in other media as well, like things like multiplayer online games. You know, people like this idea of being able to visit another world. And it, it helps if it's constructed in such a way as to feel well fleshed out and consistent. It's funny, Dan, that you mentioned the prequels because um, the, I was going to use the this. The Well, okay. So we devoted six episodes to talking about in great detail um, all three Star Wars movies. And I I do think it, tell, it says something about us that we devoted all of that time, hours and hours and hours, like nine hours of running time to movies that didn't run that long, <laughs> quite honestly. Um, <laughs> and yet we, we haven't. We talk about it. We joke about it. We haven't done an episode about you know, the Phantom Menace, right? We, we, because what would we say? I mean, it might be fun to take its body and kick it around. Right. I mean, that's the, the head I comes think there off, are good but, things for us to say about it, but they would be so outweighed by us. It's too fraught with problems and too, it would be too much of a trashing that it wouldn't be worth it. And it also yeah. feels like beating up, you know, beating up the kid to take his lunch money because yeah. it's like, I mean, it's not a challenge, right? There are lots well, of criticisms we can make. Well, right. I mean, what what would the point be of us, you know, beating something to death that we just, I, I mean, I'm not sure that would be a pleasurable episode to listen to no, ultimately I I, if we were just no. beating, beating That's the prequels That's not what we do and more bits. to the point, you know, there is a certain delight in giving something a bad review, but when these things have existed for so long and are so... They've been trampled not, on to yeah, death. If not unanimously, then so generally disliked, then there is really very little new to say about that other than I dislike it. The only real way we could ever do an actual podcast on the prequels would be to basically look at the very few things that the prequels got right and also to improve upon. Like, basically... What would make the prequels a good movie or something? You know, we, but you can't just do, I know it's really hard to think about, but the, the point that I'm trying to make is that you can't just do an entirely negative episode that's just going to throw heaping, you know, heaping insults after heaping insults onto this poor set of movies. Cause I mean, it's, it's like teasing, you know, the, the picked on kid in the class. He's yeah. gotten enough already. There's no point. It seems like there's a point only when you're trying to warn people off something. So when people ask your opinion, they say, hey, I heard about this book called Feed or The Magicians or Ready Player <laughs> One or any of the other ones like that. And we and you say, oh, yeah, well, you know, I read it, didn't like it. We did a podcast on it. If you want to know more about it, there's some spoilers. But if you're thinking about getting it, you're trying to keep people from wasting their time. <laughs> time is a precious commodity. And uh but, you know, if everyone knows about it already, if everyone already hates the putative prequels or what uh, you know the books are in question or the comic books whatever it is then what's the, what's point, the point of yeah. piling on no, i would prefer to do episodes recommending things that i loved rather than hating on things that i didn't unless it's unless it's something horrible like 50 shades of gray or something where it's like it's a wildly lauded uh book that everybody should read no no one should read this book like i can understand being the you know the bearer of bad news in that situation but otherwise if we're talking about more obscure literature and television and movies i'd rather just focus on the things that are fantastic and not spend waste so much energy trashing the things that aren't yeah we're never going to stop people from buying 50 shades of gray or 
George R. R. Martin or whatever we try to, if we, if we were to try to prevent people from buying that, we're never going to do that. We're too tiny for that, but we can tell people about things that are good and help. I mean, this is the whole point. Um, used to be when independent bookstores were thriving and perhaps they will not be totally gone in the future in some crazy way, uh, that there's this thing that's still around called hand selling where there'd be thousands and thousands of independent bookstores across the country and authors would tour and be making contacts with, you know, all the people at the stores and trying to to um, convince them of the worth of their book. And sometimes books were discovered this way by individual clerks or managers in stores in thousands of places selling it. And I feel like at some level, that's a role we're trying to fulfill is we don't have an enormous listenership, but we're trying to help, especially the more obscure stuff, um, find an audience and maybe engage some of the word of mouth you can about and, and make some you know great stuff be slightly bigger and therefore produce more great stuff. I think those are the two best things that we can do on a podcast like this is is highlight things that you may not have heard of that we think are really great and talk about things that that are generally held to be really great in sort of loving detail and being able to take them apart and explain why we like them and the quirks we find about them. I mean, those are my two favorite sort of things that we do here are those two. John Syracuse, you have many meta points to make about this discussion, I I suspect. Uh-oh. Yes, this is going back to many things that have been mentioned by other people. I think I'll start with uh, uh, what Dan was talking about in the beginning. Uh, so when, when we, and actually gets back to the Andy Naco thing, when we enjoy something or when we don't enjoy it, like you, you see a movie, you read a book and you either liked it or you don't. Everybody has that feeling. You can ask out to be on the street, you, uh, you know, you saw the movie. Did you like it? Yes, no. So easy to give your opinion, right? Uh, and the, the question, the follow-up question that almost no one asks is why? Uh, and why you didn't like it is usually, you know, they'll say, well, let me tell you why I didn't like it. This was stupid. And I didn't like that or whatever, but like, you know, but just kind of generalities. And the same thing with joy. Oh, it was, it was exciting. It was fun. I laughed, you know, I cried, whatever it, it, it sort of vague generalities of, of, of why you liked or didn't like something, but figuring out why you do or don't like something is some is a quality, like the desire to say, to, to examine it and say, why did I like that? Or why did I like that is, is not a common trait I find. Maybe it's geek, non-geek. Maybe it's just a circle side traveling. Now, part of it is like learning about the craft. If you're interested in movies or filmmaking or writing, you want to learn about, you know, the, the the art of doing it and the craft and how did they make that movie and why is this good and that's bad and you know and and learning how and and what Dan said before, learning how things tick. If you're a geek or an engineer or somebody who likes to take things apart, you want to know how they work on the inside. And I'll get back to that in a second. But the other part of this is that asking yourself, especially if for things that you enjoy, is uh, why did you like it or didn't like it? Part of it is also kind of like self-discovery because you have to examine yourself and say, why did I like that? And not yeah. uh, not all people like that. The journey of self-discovery is not appealing to a lot of people. It's kind of like, you know, the, the unexamined life. The, the unexamined life is, is repellent to a certain kind of person. But to other people, the examined life is, you know, scary or inappropriate or not interesting because you have to think like, I, I just go to see some movie and, and it's like, you know, I don't know I, I go to see like an Adam Sandler movie and I really, really like it. Few people who really, really love an Adam Sandler movie are going back and digging real deep and say, why did I like that? Because sometimes <laughs> you, you know, you may not like the answer. Since it's true of Star Wars, Star Trek, any movie that you think, it, most people don't think about it. They're like, I liked it. It made me happy. I smile. And that that self-examination, that urge to like self-analyze is not common and is uncomfortable to a lot of people. That's one of the things I wrote about in the blog post is like the guy who comes back from a movie and says they don't like it and they just go, oh, it was stupid. 
And it's like, is that is that how you left it in your brain? Like, do you do you really know why you didn't like it? Or do you not know why you didn't like it? I think most people don't know why they like stuff, don't know why they don't like stuff. And I'm one of those people to whom that idea of not knowing why you like something or why you didn't like something, independent of like the the craft of it is is uh is is strange to me. And so so John, um I, I, this happens to me and I want to see if this happens to you when a movie's over and you were walking outside the theater and you've gone to the movie with somebody, whether it's your family or a friend or something, and they turn to you and say, so what do you think of it? Do, do, do you answer them? I, by that point, I've already written the review in my head. <laughs> <laughs> well, cause I, I like, I, I don't even want to say, I don't even want to say yet. Cause I'm still thinking about it. And I oh don't yeah. Have it evolves. Yet, right. It evolves. Yeah. <laughs> I have that problem is I go to, there's at least one of my friends who I go to movies with and I've been to, He's the guy I know. I've I've known for twenty years, right? And we've gone to countless movies together. I think I remember him liking like three movies ever. He always comes out of it with a like John. He's got that immediately formed. Like, well, here are the things. I don't get why this happened. I don't get what this. What was this point? What was the point of that? You know, and and me, I'm still like reveling in the. I just you know, it was fun. I just watched a movie for two hours. I haven't really had a chance to think about it yet. But the the problem with that, to a certain extent, is it's good and it shows a critical mind. But it's also really it kind of takes the wind out of you if you're like, well, that seemed fun. I guess I kind of liked it, but I haven't really had a chance to think about it. And then all of a sudden, I'm barraged with this entire like rote of criticism where it's like well now i feel dumb if i'm not thinking about these things or or even figuring out why you liked it but i see i would argue that i actually try to cultivate a um a detachment from a critical thinking while i'm engaged in a work of art because that you know you can i'm not going there as a critic i'm not going to review the movie i'm going there for entertainment i know that john critical uh, response to things is your entertainment but for me i like to be it's true but it's i like to I, you know when i saw brave recently i was having some discussion on the incomparable list with dan freaks about this is i quite like Brave because it engaged me at a certain level it turned off some of my critical thought and i just washed through the hundred minutes of it and came out the other end when i had a really good time and now, of course, I'm picking apart parts of it and things that are weak and whatever, but later, and I don't lose that sense of, at the time I was watching it, the memory of enjoying it at that time. And if I'm engaged in critical function uh, for something like that, where it's impossible to become engaged, now some things are just so bad um, that you're going to be broken out of the moment and do it. But I think the point of a work of art of any kind of work of art is that it engages you to a point in which the uh, you are allowed to forgive yourself critical thinking because of the engagement of the medium. I don't know if I'm capable of that. Well, I'm not, I'm not saying like during the thing you should be engaged in that, although that can happen for various reasons, but it's, it's kind of the difference between like, <laughs> because it's good the, and it sweeps yeah, you away. The, the, you can the, be swept, the, emotion, there's emotion involved in it. You gotta be swept away by things sometimes too. The people who are on this show and the people who enjoy this show, I would imagine fall under the category of people for whom the enjoyment of art is enhanced by later discussion of it. Like, yes. like, well, like and, uh, there yes. are many, many people who like it or dislike it, do not want to examine why it was good, why it was bad, why they liked it, why they didn't like it. Because by examining it, they are lessening in the experience. But we, I think, are not yeah. like that. I think we want to, if we liked it or didn't like it, us talking about both either side of those things enhances the experience. Like I enjoy movies more the more I've discussed them. We've talked to death about Star Wars, and all those discussions enhance my enjoyment of Star Wars. Do not decrease it. Do not lessen it. And some people think like, oh, if you're picking it apart or you're analyzing it again, good or bad, analyzing why you like it, analyzing why you don't like it, you're somehow lessening the experience. And now, now that you understand that it is less interesting or mystical and you've ruined it you know you're straw manning me you're straw manning me because i'm making a difference between the being during the moment 
of the appreciation, not the dissection later or doing critical thinking later. I'm saying that a good work can bring you in, especially when a universe is created. I know, but then you, that's what you think about later, how, how it got you. I, I agree with both of you. I think there's just, I think it's just, um, for me, as a, the, the thought I was trying to express was that be, being barraged with opinions before I've had a chance to form my own can be off-putting because then those thoughts are permanently in my head and it's hard to form my own opinion. Well, now you'll be having a great segue to my second meta point. Yes. That's oh, what yes, I do please. for you, John. Yes, Go ahead. Which is, which is uh, all of us here are on a podcast and we're talking about, uh, you know, things we like or don't like. And part of it, you have to say, is hubris. Like, we're, we're a bunch of people who happen to be in our various professions, like, or side professions or whatever, writers or other creative people who <laughs> think that what we have to say about something is worth hearing. Like, you know, you write words and they go up on a website for thousands of people to look at and we do a podcast and people download it. What, what give, who cares what we think? We just, you know, it's, you have to have that little spark of, yeah, what I have to say about this is important and meaningful. I and mean, what Dan was saying, when you get a bunch of other opinions and they, you know, they kind of like color the way you view things. If they're opinions from people you don't care about, they don't bother you. And the more sort of confidence and faith you have in your own opinion as compared to the person giving them or whatever, like if there's some bad review in USA Today, you're like, you dismiss that or whatever. But if someone who you really like a friend of yours whose opinion you really expect gives, gives you a bad opinion, that is more difficult to, to repel against. But all of us, I think, have something in us that makes us think that the things we have to say, these insights we have about the things we like, again, good or bad, are worth sharing with other people because we're like, hey, yeah, you know, maybe other people thought of that, but I thought of it and I think that's worth sharing. And here we all are doing that. And I think it's a big part of the show is that it's some small part of every single one of us thinks what we have to say about this stuff is is worth doing. And the, the final aspect that, about learning how things tick is that there's probably also a small part of us or sometimes a really big part of us or an actual real life part of us that thinks, I want to learn how this works and why I enjoyed it and why I didn't. And what I have to say about it is important because someday I might want to do that. Maybe I'm going to write a book. Maybe I'll write five books. Maybe I'll write a whole book in a month. Maybe I'll be a movie maker. You know what I mean? And figuring out how, you know, art in general or a specific medium work is part of that. So I don't think it's a, it's, it's a coincidence that we're all a bunch of like writers here or half writers or whatever talking about movies i've always been fascinated i don't know if i ever have intended well or at least since i was a kid of intended of like being a screenwriter and all that but i've always been fascinated with how how it works yeah I, so i agree with that completely i i have always been interested in uh how it works and why it works and how it makes me feel and yes it's no doubt we're all people who who write things that lots of other people read and um obviously that there's something in there too that we're sort of used to to doing that although quite honestly you know i love having a creating a thing that goes out there that people like and that it has interesting perspectives from people who aren't me on it which is all of you there's a deep bench issue too which is uh like the last episode episode 99 of the incomparable in which we did the uh the, the sci-fi novel draft essentially like which you know, we how many books was it 40 you said jason and um, at least at least and you know and many of us have read i went through i think i may have read not as many as anybody else, but I've read dozens of those. And I, you know, it's, it's partly, there is hubris. Of course, I like doing this. And to be honest, if it were just us and we had no listeners, I would probably still enjoy this. It might be a little strange for us to do it in that circumstance, but. Well, I wouldn't have to edit the podcast then if there were no letters. <laughs> you would still edit it, Chase. And we do when we're in, you know, in geographically proximate areas. I feel like yeah, I've met almost all of you. 
Wait, all of you. I've met all of you. <laughs> You've met all of us. But the, no, the point I have though is that it's, um, is that there is an expertise we bring to this. There, there's the hubris of, uh, you know, we do like to talk and have people listen to us because we've been conditioned to that by having hundreds of thousands or millions of people read our stuff over, the, you know, over years. So you get a little bit of that. Hey, maybe we have something that whatever. But the other, um, the other part of that is that, uh, I would say most, uh, I shouldn't say most people listen to this show because we don't know that, but I would say a lot of people don't have the time to have read all this. If they've read everything we've read, I'm not sure why they listen to the podcast except to give feedback or to contrast their experience against ours, which is interesting. And I listen to, to podcasts and watch, you know, uh, discussions of things that people have read or seen that I also have. But I think it's that issue of something like, um, you know, allegory or illusion. Like, why is illusion interesting? I remember uh, watching uh, Lord of the Rings, um, the first movie when it came out, and watch uh, Fellowship of the Rings, and thinking, God, how they got it so much right, and how there are even details from other books, from the Silmarillion and other things, because I read all the paraphernalia and apocrypha. I read everything that Tolkien written and the forgotten and the whatever, you know? So I read everything, and just little slices here and there, and I thought, oh, this feels richer to me than someone who didn't have that, because they put all this into me to build the characterization and build the world up, it doesn't mean someone who didn't get all the illusion uh, doesn't get the full gist of it, but there is something that they did for me. And I feel like that's part of why we do the show is that um, we have a deep bench and we're trying to talk to people who maybe haven't read, you know, the thousand science fiction novels or haven't had the time to read a particular one or see a particular series. We're sort of both the pilot fish and the, you know, ancient mariner. Wow. Wow. There you go. There's an episode title. It blew me away there. If you if you had Ancient Mariner and Dada on your bingo board, place your <laughs> Glenn, Glenning bingo. Almost. Uh, so so uh as we uh, go deep into the night here and, and should probably finish at some point, I wanted to go around and ask everybody if they've got a favorite and or least favorite um, memory of The Incomparable, since this is our last episode. No, no, it's just <laughs> no. since it's our anniversary episode. Uh, Serenity Caldwell, do you have a favorite? Or least favorite? The TV, when we all pitched our own fictional uh, yes. TV show. Fantasy TV with, show pitches. With the TV show character draft. Yes, that, that was a great episode and I really enjoyed being part of it. And it, it brought together what John was, you know, Syracuse was talking about a little bit. The, the need to create with the need to obsessively talk over and criticize. So, yes, Skeletor forever. <laughs> thanks lots but yeah that's uh i'm going with that great i'm gonna be uh i'm gonna be can i be a proxy steve lutz eat it snell <laughs> thank you thank you um favorite moment skeletor without a doubt i had to i had to submit an ep- uh, three clips from past episodes for an award for a podcast thing and skeletor was one of the things i submitted <laughs> Do we probably win? won't make any sense but i don't care do we win uh it hasn't we don't know i'm gonna uh. guess no no, not yet. Well, we'll lose later. Oh, we right. haven't lost Sorry. yet. We're in a state of grace. We haven't lost yet. We're a nominee. <laughs> let's just let's enjoy the nominee. It's an honor just to be nominated, even though I think anybody could be nominated. We were nominated. So, Dan, do you have a favorite uh, or least favorite? I, I thing? both probably. Um, oh, good. I think my favorite moment would be. It's probably the the Empire podcast, if only because I don't know if there's a specific moment. Um, just the fact that John, John, and I got to you know talk over everybody else for an hour no um i don't know it, it's it's always fun to find someone else who has spent as much time thinking about a particular subject as you have um so you can be like did you notice that little small thing right there and they're like yes i totally noticed that that was so i don't know i enjoy that i enjoy that interchange and as john says i really like uh you know 
discussing things like that because I think it enhances, you know, my enjoyment of the, of the media. Um, and so I think the Empire podcast, three hours long as it was, you know, I was, I, I got to the end of that and I was still, re- I was ready to go another round. You know, I was still put me in coach. You know, as somebody who so let me just overspeak uh, yeah. Serenity oh, you're here. gonna you're gonna talk over me again. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's like we're back there. No, I mean, as someone who was the foremost uh, like expert on Empire and Star Wars in her community growing up, it was humbling to uh, to join you in Syracuse for several hours to talk about the nitty gritty bits of Empire. We we really and love it a lot. I know. I know. Well, it makes me happy because it's like, oh, new things that I can discover that I have not noticed yet. I was scrolling through the archives and I found my least favorite moment, which is episode number 31, entitled Supernatural. And I think everyone will understand that's my favorite moment. We didn't talk about your favorite <laughs> yes, show. Yes, and man. any moment involving Scott McDulty being my nemesis. Especially the part where you didn't call me his nemesis on the show with Jonathan Colton where they talked about the song Nemesis. My best move as a nemesis. Yes. Next time, McNulty! (laughs) Scott, do you have a favorite or least favorite? Uh, How could I have a least favorite moment, Jason? Really? They're all all precious. You did have to read Feed. I I did have to read Feed. That was many moments strung together that uh, (laughs) I did not enjoy. Uh, I think my favorite thing, though, is uh, the Doctor Who Flash podcasts uh just because it gives me someone to be with on christmas i'm so sorry oh, no, no, no. Right, no jason i've got a new favorite moment <laughs> i also enjoy the fact that we had we have a, a google document with uh, uh future episodes and uh the doctor who christmas special is there and the only panelist who is listed as being on it for the next one is me <laughs> because obviously i'll have nothing else to do on christmas <laughs> We love you, Scott. <laughs> I don't know how that happened, but yeah, Scott, you're really coming funny. to Christmas in my house this year. Oh, well, my oh. mom is coming for Christmas, but it's right. but Dan will be oh. at his house for Christmas. That's so. true. <laughs> That's true. I'll be away. <laughs> Scott, well played. Scott is all alone with a house. You are family. forever it's, his nemesis. It's very sad. Glenn, do you have a favorite or least favorite? As usual, I have seventeen. No, I uh, I would like to say <laughs> I like German, Jonathan. Colton moment quite a bit. I listened to that. I listened to the episode and listened to your interview with him. I thought that was really lovely at the end that it was kind of fun because we haven't pulled in too many folks uh, like that in the past. I um, hosted episode 42, so I'll be conceited and say I liked it, but it was partly because I got a slightly different crew than the usual. It was a lot of non-regulars and everyone had a different memory and uh, and sort of take on Douglas Adams, including our special guest, Yaz Graham, who had worked with Douglas Adams, a, a software company that uh, did some of the uh, interactive games uh, like uh, Starship Titanic. And um, I just, I enjoyed the fact that we got all these facets of Douglas Adams, who is a totally interesting guy. We were able to explore all of them with people having different experiences um, with different aspects of the work he did. That was, that was fun. Great. And John, do you have any, any favorites or, or least favorites? Yeah, I was thinking I, I will, I'll brag about the fact that I have no least favorites. And I think the reason I have no least favorite moments is that I strategically choose which episodes I'm going to be on. So for for example, if, you know, a a lot of the book episodes, I can tell right away, like, I'm not going to like that book and and like it, you know, so even, even the books, uh, all the book episodes I've been on, I have fond memories of like, uh, you know, the name of the wind books and that series. Like, even though I said, I said critical things of them, I have fond memories of reading those. They were kind of fun. Like ready player one was short. 
you know, so it was really <laughs> to read. And it wasn't, right. you know, and basically I'm mostly picking episodes where I feel like I have something to say about it that's exciting to me. So I have no least favorites. And my favorites, uh, you know, as usual, Dan stole my answer. I'm going to say the Star Wars ones, uh, mostly because before we did them, you know, we were always like, oh, we we're going to do this nerd podcast, but eventually we'll talk about Star Wars. And it was just kind of like out there. And I was secretly yeah. afraid that when it came to Daunting. Do, yeah, when we came to do the Star Wars ones, like that they're that we would, you know, it would just be like that we wouldn't have that much to say because what can you say about Star Wars? <laughs> These things we've been living our entire lives like, yeah, Star Wars is cool, right, guys? Yeah, I kind of like Star Wars. But then, like, but just in the New Hope episode, like, you know, 10 minutes same, it became clear that we have an infinite number of words to say about Star Wars <laughs> and that they weren't the same things that I had heard on, like, you know, because we all had discussions about Star Wars with other people and other things and heard other podcasts and watch movies. And, like, I felt like we were there was a, a deep font of stuff that we could talk about and that it was new and interesting things like, you know, other people would say things that I hadn't thought of. And I would say things that I thought that everyone was in all their heads, but they said they hadn't thought of before. And it was just like, that was exciting to me to see that even amongst in such a tired topic as star Wars that we've all just had baked into our lives among people who already know each other. And we would think already have discussed all these things, but no, there was just, there was so much more there. It makes me think for every topic that we've ever done that, in theory, we could go, you know, 78 hours just talking about any one of these one things. Just be this, There's so much there. There's such a deep well, you know? Yeah, that was um, that we didn't know for the first one that it was going to go because we ended up going for two and a half hours. And there's a moment that uh, most people didn't hear, although I did tack it on the beginning of the second episode where very quietly while we were talking, Greg Noss kind of covered his microphone up and whispered to his wife i'm sorry this has gone on twice as long as i expected already <laughs> i thought it just I, kept going i thought you were gonna say greg nos was like quietly singing the star wars theme to himself rocking back and forth yeah well we did hear a lot about his childhood in that episode we did and how much star wars meant to him but that was cool that was really cool and i think among our listeners the star wars episodes are by far the the most popular um and i you know i would throw into that the uh the uh Where's the Lost Ark episode I really liked. I do enjoy those classic movie episodes where I feel like I've seen it and know everything about it. And then I hear somebody else's perspective and it really changes my perspective on the movie. Plus, I get the the joy of watching that movie that again with an eye toward a, the podcast and taking notes and noticing things even then that I hadn't really noticed before just because I'm being a little more uh, paying a little more attention and thinking about it a little more critically. My least favorite, you know, I want to I want to <laughs> say I, I know I, I, I guess one? I want to I I I say the real genius episode yeah. just because that's the episode that that, that I I can't you, actually go back and listen to. You learn the but, ways um, of John Syracuse. But but I'm not, you know, actually the, my worst experience was that there's a, an episode we did at the comic book club uh, called uh, Number Ones and uh, it, it, we had huge technical difficulties and it was right when we were on, uh, started on 5x5 five five, and I had Dan Benjamin on the on that episode and um, so of course it's like, hey, guy who runs the podcast network that my podcast is now on, let's have crippling <laughs> audio issues and and multiple, and I, I honestly don't even know what we talked about in that episode because I was spending all my time pressing buttons so that there weren't wasn't like horrible audio feedback as we switched microphones, and that was really really embarrassing. And then he had um, uh, Faith Corpy uh, was on because she was in the studio then, so he's like, "We want her on too." She reads comic books, and I said, "Sure." And I wasn't prepared to ask her questions, and it was a 
Yeah, that was really bad. So for from my perspective, that one was the one that that killed me because it was just it was so embarrassing and the and the technical stuff was so bad and and um you know I guess as somebody who edits most of these episodes, um that's the stuff that always sticks with me is those you know when when something goes horribly wrong, <laughs> uh, technically and we have to try and make the best of it. So. John Syracuse, you know, driving over one of my favorite movies from the 80s. Just, we'll put it in second place after the catastrophic failure of microphones. See, I like Real Genius, you know. We should revisit. We should do Real Genius Revisited. Like, I, did, I just don't like it as much as you did. What I was objecting to was your love of the movie that was out of proportion that I thought. So, uh, it's not like, I, you know, I'm sitting here dwelling on Real Genius and I hate it. Jason, it's it's a trap. You know, we did that. Ep- now. We recorded that episode of my parents' house because uh, I was there for spring break with my family. And I, every time I walk into that room when I visit my parents, I think, "Oh, this is where it happened." <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it's fine. All right. Uh, uh, see, I really want to get Steve Letts on here so that we can kill him because we promised we'd kill somebody. Steve Letts. Oh, hey, Jason. How's it going? You know, I want to congratulate you on, although you were not one of the top five panelists selected to be in this episode, you were the creator of the defining fantastic moment in incomparable history in the first hundred episodes, which was your very canny drafting of Skeletor in the uh, character draft. Oh, are you guys doing an episode right now? No, we're not. No, we're not. And you, oh, okay. you weren't, you weren't uh, not invited to it. Yeah, because I'm just sitting here all by myself. Uh, you know, in a hotel room in the so, dark. So doing a podcast would have been a nice break. Yeah, it kind of would have. But seeing as you guys aren't doing an episode or anything, that's uh, that's cool. That's a, OK. <laughs> All right. So what what happened now? Oh, nothing. Nothing. Oh, OK. Nothing. nothing. Just checking in. Just making sure you're OK. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, uh, just uh, tightening up this rope. All right. Watch out for laser pointers. All right. That's right. Well, we we have promised somebody would die uh, in this episode because that that adds to the drama. Yeah, that mention of rope kind of kind of darkens that up a bit, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no. So I was going to say, so so good luck with that, Steve, and we'll talk to you later. Oh, hey, it's uh, it's been good knowing you. I mean, uh, talking to you. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Good. Congratulations on that Skeletor thing, though. That was great. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll put that in my note. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Steve wants everybody. Oh, that was I'll miss him. deliciously awkward. Death <laughs> by him. ignorance? Hmm. Uh, yes, I, I have a new least favorite moment. <laughs> Hope he used a square hitch knot. Oh, awkward. All right. Uh, hey, yeah. I know what Glenn's favorite moment is. What's that? It's Stephen Fry. <laughs> <laughs> that was the best episode. No. That was the best episode. Oh. No, my favorite uh, favorite actually the early one was was uh Dr. Sherlock and the Melty Man. That was That was that was Ren and John Syracuse's first mm-hmm. episode. It was. That's good times. And then and then Dan and Glenn and, and Scott and I were the the uh, guests on the on our first episode that we did. So you guys were there from the very start. That's right. I was just and getting like, over the fact that you didn't ask me to be on the Indiana Jones uh Raiders Lost Ark episode. I didn't. Oh. I I just don't think I was thinking. If I if only I knew uh, then what I know now. That's something we should have discussed. The the origin story. You can have an episode with the origin story of the incomparable because I oh. I have some vague recollections of how it came to be, but I think they're wrong. So Jason should tell us. We may have we have, may have to. Was there radioactive spider? Because I swear no. <laughs> that's 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 exactly no. There was like a, an email thread that yeah. that. I, th- I think Glenn was involved with that basically ruined everything. And then we had a podcast for a hundred episodes. I think I was, was on that too. How did I? Yeah. 
You learned everything in the best possible way. (laughs) This should become a podcast and we'll be part of it. Yeah. Wouldn't it be great if we could talk about this stuff? I think was a phrase that was bandied about. And uh, here we are. Well, this is all part of my evil plan, you know, and at episode 200, I'll reveal the secret that caused us all to come together. We're only halfway. We're playing the long game here, too. But Steve uh, Watts will come back from the dead. It'll be (laughs) tune in, folks. It'll be like Skeletor. He'll be back. He'll be alive in the next episode, just like Skeletor. Uh, yeah, John, it, it was, uh, it was, uh, an interesting, I, I just didn't know. I mean, we were just, we were just trying to figure it out. And, 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 uh, I do like to take some credit for your appearance on a popular podcast that you now have, because I felt like we got there, we got you, we got you on the air first, or at least early on. But, um, you know, we were still, those early episodes are kind of messy and we're figuring it out and, and, uh. Uh, and then we kind of hit our groove so but i was surprised i I, my recollection was that you and ren both came in a little bit later but it's episode three how late could it be it was late because we were like they're talking about raiders and we're not even there what the hell (laughs) we like like raiders we don't like that movie it's not popular well uh, you know gruber was in that episode and it's really hard to get yeah when has he been back never that's what i'm saying really he left on a high note you know who your real friends are jason I, I searched. I searched my uh, e- email, and I noted I forgot that the incomparable was almost called Zeppelin enthusiast. Zeppelin enthusiast mm-hmm. was my preferred name for it, but it turned out everybody else thought that that was like being in a Led Zeppelin fan club. Nothing wrong with that. So I got to point out that I I, I searched through my uh, my inbox and found a couple of the earliest emails. My my favorite moment though is so this is an email where Jason sent out the first podcast sample of what we recorded saying you know here's what we recorded today it's not final but you know if you're curious take a listen and the first reply comes from john syracuse and says good episode a little mic breathing by someone early on can't tell who but other than that not much editing i think i know you will note i have purchased and used Glenn, you, sound great. you sound yeah. fantastic you have yeah. <sighs> yes <sighs> you're, you're breathing in hd stereo and, and incidentally, in order to find all these old emails, I searched for Zeppelin in my mailbox. <laughs> See, from the very start, I made a the incomparable folder, which is where all of this email has been going since time immemorial, which makes it very easy to find terrible, terrible things. But I, I haven't actually gone back until uh, until just now because Dan suggested it. It's kind of amusing. <laughs> My recollection at the beginning of this was that, uh, God, I wish I could remember what it was. This is on Twitter, unfortunately, and Twitter is impossible to search back in time huh. for. But it was a, a discussion about something like a book or a movie or something between like me and, and Dan and Jason and a couple other people at replying until there was no more room left for the text and this big, long conversation about stuff. And it was suggested at, ver- at some point by somebody that oh, like, yes, instead yes. of trying to use Twitter to discuss this thing, it would be much easier mm. if we just yeah, like talk about is, it. I have found the message. I found the message That's right. from August 5th. And, and it's the subject, Ren, you, you have to search for the subject geeky podcast. Yeah, I, and, I'm on that one. Yeah, I found that too. And it is earlier today in the midst of discussion of sci-fi books. I just suggested on Twitter that I might start a podcast devoted to discussion of geekier media stuff. I even mentioned some of you as possible participants. I'm thinking of running with this concept. So let me know. Would you be interested in being a regular or irregular participant? Jason, I'm not interested. Yeah, I kind of please take me do. off your mailing I, list. I hate podcasts with <laughs> seven up, people talking up. at once. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, so if we didn't deliver on that sucker. You know, it was something cast. I was going to mention when we were talking about which i which slipped my mind was that it is nice to have an, a, a forum in this age of social networking where we are all limited to 140 characters it is nice to have a medium where we can talk for three hours 
So what was this the pot, what was the Twitter discussion? That's what I want to know. What we have to find. Uh, my guess is that it was it was me and like Glenn and and uh, and Scott well, talking just, about people Sonic just kept getting added to it. So eventually, I think we started joking and adding more and more people in. So eventually, yeah. it was like thirteen Twitter handles, and you could do like one word. Yeah. If I'm remembering that discussion, yeah, yeah. I do if, remember if I could, that. If I could point to a date, you know, August fifth, but that was it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I. Uh, I think we've talked about ourselves far too much already, so we promise not to do it again for another 100 episodes or so. Uh, but this was great. I appreciate you guys coming on, and not just in this episode, but in the many, many episodes that you've been on. And here's to uh, 100 more uh, episodes of The Incomparable. So, uh, Dan, Morin, you are the you are in the lead by a lot. So thank you very much for being on many episodes. You're welcome. And in the next 100 episodes, I will pass you. Okay. I keep saying to people, go ahead and host episodes without me because that makes it less work for me. I've hosted episodes. They're still in the can. They're in the can. They're they're going to be rolling out (laughs) next year. I'm going to dole those suckers out. Just one major airdrop. It's like every movie you've ever seen. Yep. Yep. And uh, Lex isn't on any of them. Of course not because he hasn't seen anything. Uh, Serenity Caldwell, half of all the episodes. I, I cannot believe it. You've been on half the episodes, so thank you very Neither much. Neither can I. Uh, you are welcome. It has been a pleasure. Uh, even when I end up reading books like The Magicians, uh, I suffer through it for the uh, to you know dedication of being on the Uncomfortable. Oh, even if there's a book you don't like. Yeah. It's Have you so read Feed yes, I, or Deadline? I had. I did read Feed. I did not read Deadline. Well, then, was really. Enough. I think you have to stop complaining. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not complaining. Just... We don't, we're not complaining here. We're just criticizing. Oh. That's what we then do. Carry it's on. a fine line. Scott McNulty, you're one behind Serenity Caldwell, so you can just sneak on past and blow into second place. That's true. And if you string together everything I've said in all of my appearances, it probably equals like three of everyone else's. <laughs> yeah. It basically would be the running time of, of all Steve Lutz's appearances. Some, somebody please make that super cut. Scott McNulty only of the Incomparable 100 episodes, please. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. Scott's like a sniper, though. That would be the funniest episode ever. It would be very short, but it would be, be and hilarious. And have rim shots after everything he Because he is the sniper, a silent sniper of comedy. Just waits in the weeds. Everybody talks, and then he goes, boom. And then and he shoots Steve yeah. Lutz in the head. And it's, That's right. It's all over from there. <laughs> it's a mercy killing, really. Uh, John Syracuse, thank you very much for being on episode three and 42 more after that. You know, I'm never going to be on as many episodes as the other guys because I just don't read that many books. And there's yeah. good percentages that are about books. But I hope my I've showed my dedication. For example, I remember in the New Hope episode, I was getting over a cold and I had lost my voice for days leading up to that. I was like, I just got to get my voice back enough to be able to croak my way through a New Hope. And I did it. And if you go back and listen to that episode, I sound awful. But that's the kind <laughs> of rallied. dedication I have. I appreciate podcast. it. And and you have read, I mean, you've read a couple thousand page books for this podcast, too. You shouldn't sell yourself short. Those Patrick Rothfuss books, they don't read themselves. They're very long. <laughs> that would be creepy if they did. If they did, <laughs> you know, they might. It would be very creepy. Well, you know, audiobooks. They, I guess they do read themselves, really, if you buy the audiobook. 
Uh, Glenn Fleischman, you've been on 38 episodes and everyone in every one of them you are glenning because that's what you do thanks for being here it's sort of my job in the show jason i want to thank you <clears throat> for the time and effort you've put into this it's one of the most fun things i do on a regular basis and i appreciate you making this all happen on a regular basis and i also appreciate unlike perhaps some listeners i do appreciate the titles of the show because for me they bring back uh, i can read <laughs> dr sherlock and the melty man and the whole episode floods back in my head that's good. In, in that case, if it's an episode you liked, then then that's very good. So uh, for the next hundred episodes and beyond, uh, you know, we'll be back with a new episode of The Incomparable in the next week or two. And until then, thanks everybody for listening. If you people didn't listen to this podcast, well, I guess we've revealed that we would still do it, but uh, we would probably swear a lot more and um, not wear pants. So thank you for keeping us in line, dear listeners. Until next time, this is Jason Snell for The Incomparable. Thanks for listening again. Good night. Desultory. Anyway, so... Um, that was great. This is... Uh, Somebody in the chat room has pointed out that John John aiming for 42 episodes is the long game that he plays just as the Firefly show pitch on our uh, on our uh, on our uh, TV draft. I was going to point that out myself, but I was so depressed by you promoting <laughs> me to 43 that you just blew yeah. my entire. Yeah, that's fine. I'm, Someone I'll in the chat over. room wants us to play Journey, so I'm going to queue up Don't Stop Believing. No, no, do stop believing. Stephen Fry was not able to appear in this episode either. By the way, just like as do stop continue, believing. Continuing, Stephen, Stephen Fry. I, I, I tried in the least possible way. I tried and I failed. The, in the uh, least possible way. That continues his streak of not appearing on all 100 episodes of The Incomparable. He's good. I was gonna. I was gonna try to do a Stephen Fry impression, then realized can't do it. No, can't it's be impossible. done. Possible. Can't be no done. No one can imitate Stephen Fry. He's Stephen Fry. Glenn. Perhaps I did say that. Perhaps you did. Do you recall this? <laughs> Do you not recall I have no this? No recollection. Glenn gets wiped clean at the end wow. of every episode, and we just have a fresh Glenn. Wow, he's a blank. He's a human blank. It's, you did you preload him with the uh, the database of all the people that he knows, exactly. um, and then that's it. That's all that's important. I mean, Glenn's a robot. Yeah, pretty much. It just <sighs> took this long for it to come out. Oh, so I was the thinking, time, I was thinking, the time uh, traveler. I thought wiped clean like gym equipment, but you mean like robots. So. <laughs> I mean like, the, like hard drive wiped. Get the wow. tea oil out and wow. uh, tea tree wow. oil. Spray. Could I ask a question of the panelists? No, definitely not. Sure. Please? Yeah, right, go ahead. I'll, I'll, I'll Only if you ask okay. in German. So what are the Den Wolfan What were the um, favorite... Uh, favorite moments in the incomparable. I was thinking about, you know, we've done 100 episodes. This is our, or done 99 episodes. I, I take it back. Um, I only hosted 89, apparently, because Glenn is hosting this one. Go ahead. That's right. Well, I'm taking over. You listen, listen. <laughs> the next 100 episodes will be really fascinating. I only had it on my list to ask, but it's better that you ask. Well, you know, I don't want you to have to hold up, Thank you. you know. No, it's All right. right. Well, when you edit this, you'll ask the question. Right. So, why don't you go ahead and ask out. that question? <laughs> It's a coincidence that we're all a bunch of like writers here or half writers or whatever talking about movies.
<laughs> half writers sorry scott wait what? wait wait <laughs> that, do we combine no, do we no. make like that two was writers? me I, no. I was giving myself the half oh, writer I know. I know. And that's generous. I know. no no so I, what i would say that oh, i'm great. impressed that uh that uh, glenn was tweeting throughout this entire podcast that that really that you, you know there's like, three of you know there's three I mean, of me we've been talking about glenn as a robot no nobody else surprising? could do this much work there's three of me there's three people i was trying to catalog all of glenn's pronunciations and i lost i lost track Oh, it's Steve. Right, it's actually Steve. No, that wasn't one exactly of them, but that was just a word I hadn't I hadn't heard the alternate spelling. But you have detritus. Good ones in there. Is detritus bothering no, you, John? Desultory. <laughs> what, what was your desultory and desultory? You went with that's, there. that's correct. That's correct. That's correct. Yeah. I, I got with Glenn on that one. That's just Bing. a Glenn word. You know, I just realized everybody on the podcast, all the regulars, we all have kind of. Uh, it's not all nicknames. I mean, I've got Glenning. Jason's got the Zeppelin thing. Scott is the sniper. Dan Warren loves Supernatural. Ren is the time traveler. <laughs> I'm coming John, for you, Glenn. John Syracuse. <laughs> John Syracuse is hypercritical. Uh, so, you know, I don't know about the other lot. Lots is just lots. So when, I'm assembling, loud, when I'm assembling lots. the fake, you know, intro credits for the incomparable, you know, uh, well, Glenn Fleischman as Glenning. <laughs> the to Glenning. the moon! Dun, 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 to the moon, dun. Warren. To the moon, Warren. Oh, now they want us. Now they want. Was someone trying to figure out what D and D classes we are? Because that's a little disturbing. That's Merlin's. That's oh, Merlin's okay. handle that he is trying <laughs> desperately to attach to me, but it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that quite works. Silly Merlin. The bishop. Well, I think we call you the bishop. <laughs> anyway, John. so no, this is twi- yeah, this he only moves diagonally. It's so. very strange if you've ever seen him walk down. <laughs> yeah, no, I only move diagonally and no edge weapons. So it's yeah. Oh, oh, this is a. Yeah, blunt yeah. criticism. This podcast bishop. is Twitter's fault, basically. This is what we've learned tonight. Yeah, but what I was asking was, what book or movie or thing was being discussed on Twitter? That's it was, what I was oh, it was no some sci-fi novel. It's lost. It was something. It's lost to the to the mists of time and Twitter. What was our which, first book club? Because someone look up the Library of Congress. Well, the the, uh, the first book club was City in the City. Yeah, oh, that came uh, it might have been that, uh, and something still... with Zeppelin's Bone Shaker. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. City in the City is still one of my favorite. That's and like, Wind Up Girl. All the stuff we've read. But I don't know if any of those were the, what was being discussed on. No, Twitter. I don't think they were because I think no. I was part of the discussion. I, don't and I think wouldn't. So. I wouldn't have been discussing those. Probably real oh. genius. I think That's it was either. Yeah. No, I actually think it was either Inception or it was it was a film that had recently come out. Oh, I film. Say. Wow. Only Twitter was searchable. Well, yeah, well I know. You know, someone, maybe someone in the listeners can dig back into our archives. So do, may, do we have any Twitter listener, listeners who are at Twitter who can delve into the history? <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Steve Lutz got the uh, Monty Python reference. I don't distract that. them. Thank They're making Steve. the McNulty supercut. I don't want to think they put all the wood behind one arrow here. <laughs> That's going to be a lot of work. Cut. They have it's many hours of listening head. I mean, we only have four listeners. Long. So. 15 Let's minutes go. long of pure... Good times. Pure power. Just think right. of it. Concentrated McNulty. I just have Scott McNulty's voice good. in my head all the time, so I don't know what you're talking Do about. Do you know the street value of this McNulty? It's <laughs> uncut. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I, I like the song uh, Nemesis. Nemesis. It's about uh, Nemesis. <laughs> that, was, that was one. And then in the following episode, I enjoyed this book uh, because uh, it was good. Have you heard uh, have you heard Dan and Merlin's impression of you, Jason? I have not. Oh, you listened to uh, this most recent, uh, not today's Back to Work, but last week's, and they've been doing uh, it for a while now. They both have an impression of you. Oh, excellent! <laughs> I don't See, think I, it's, I don't think it's very good. I don't think they've caught they've captured you, but you know, 
They're they're coming off the cleric thing. They're really off their game lately. But they they, they attempt. <laughs> All right, I'll check it out. I, I I can only listen to so much Merlin because he makes me hyper just listening to him talk. <laughs> There's only so much Merlin. I love Merlin, but Merlin makes me jumpy. I've taken his advice to get things done by not listening to him and getting things done. That seems to be the best advice. That's, that's the, I was going to say, that's the effect that Glenn has on me. Really? <laughs> makes me jumpy. My mind, it is like a hamster in a cage, <laughs> in a wheel. In a steel trap. Maybe, maybe several hamsters. <laughs> yeah, my, my, hamsters. My mind is oh my like god. a hamster in a steel trap. Oh my god. Got <laughs> oh, no. the hamster no. out. Yeah, you know, hey, these things happen. <laughs> okay, I'm going to turn off the thing. All right, so bye, 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 thanks. bye, bye. I would like to thank Thing 1 and Thing 2. I would like to thank the uh, 5 by 5 listening public for their support and love and uh, r- ridiculous comments in the chat room. Uh, thanks for the memory. Thus ends the last incomparable until the next one. <laughs> Who's going to wipe Glenn down? <laughs> Not me. Not it. That's what I say. Get the hose. I'm ready. You can't see because it's not a video, but I have my finger on my nose. I I Whoa. did it last time. <laughs> the hamster in the cage. Needs, the hamster in the cage needs to get cleaned. Someone needs to change the paper in the hamster cage. In- <laughs> and, and by the way, Glenn, desultory. It's not desultree. Oh, desultory. Who says It's not tree at the end. There's, there's an O desultory. in there. Desultory. Desultory. That's what I say. <laughs> would, oh, you like, John, would you like you to hear know, the lady in your It's like desultory I'm weather at outside. The desultory. You're, you're the one desultory. That's the pronunciation. You what get, are you saying? Desultory? Oh, there's desultory. three. There are two <laughs> appropriate pronunciations of this. Desultory dame that just walked in? Desultory or desultory? John gets to wipe down Glenn now. I called not in first. Uh-oh. Fuming, he's the, he's the you need foaming to, sputum. No, he needs more wiping. Sputum. But then you poked the don't the bear. put away your Glen unless you have properly wiped it down. Okay, <laughs> yeah, that's right. right. We, we ride him hard. You don't want to put him away wet. You gotta. I was not gonna say. I specifically cool avoided off. saying that. <laughs> this ends our broadcast day five by five. The thing is being turned off by me. I click I click the button. The thing goes off. Thanks for listening. And uh, we return you to reruns of Merlin doing impressions of me. I'm so, I'm so glad I didn't have to see Glenn while we were talking about that. Oh, <laughs> I'm just sitting here. All right. Good I'm going to press people. the other button that makes you all go away. <laughs> that, that button is sad. Good night. Good night, everybody. Good night. Bye-bye, Thank everyone. you. Adios. See you at 200. Recording. Yeah. And recording. Hello. 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 <laughs>